Before we get started, um, I just want to ask everyone who's listening, if you find the podcast or this episode helpful, please share, so like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, leave a review if you can. It really helps to get the podcast out to whoever it can help. And um, the easiest way for you guys to help me get more listeners is uh to share it with people that you think it'll help. So um, I really appreciate it. And um, on to the show. This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. Hello, welcome back. Um, I know the past couple of months um, I've been a little bit MIA from recording new new content. Um, as uh, August, I think I've said in a previous um, episode that August is usually a, kind of a hard month for me. There's a lot of things that come up in August. And then um, September, I, it's, it's, this is a pattern that I, I honestly didn't even notice until this year, but so I usually spend September recovering from all the stuff that popped up in August. So I've been um, doing that again this year, and usually I kind of power through in September. Um, I really couldn't this, this time around. I just didn't have it in me. Um, and so I uh, took a break. And moving forward, I think I have a better idea now um, as to what my own seasons kind of look like over the course of the year. And this kind of transition, like the tail end of summer into fall, um, is, again, it's a period of time for me historically where I kind of slow down on some things and rev up on others. And what I've noticed with myself over the last like five or six years is that um, this is a season that almost always, like I spent August and September almost preparing for winter. And it's kind of, I don't even consciously understand that I'm doing it. But that's, um, I noticed this time around that I've done this before. Um, the past few years I've done this. And as particularly since going no contact with my mother. And it's, um, I think part of it is uh, giving myself some space to regroup after summer. Summer is usually pretty busy, I think, all around for everybody. And I... Um, it like historic like growing up it was like you went from summer and for us we were always either we were like went away or were really busy during the summer and then we went straight into school starting in September so it almost feels like a luxury now to like I mean I still go to work and stuff but um to be able to kind of slow down in some other areas of my life to give myself a chance to regroup where I can um and also I was really overextended the past couple of months um in life in general so we took the time that we needed, and that is part of the 
healing journey from from everything that um, we go through. And I actually think this is um, a kind of a good way to kind of transition myself out of what I feel like is starting to turn into almost trauma porn um, into like actual actionable steps we can take in our day-to-day lives to kind of move toward a more um, grounded, more, I mean, for lack of a better term, I guess a more healed state, but really, so we're not acting out our lives from our trauma and like actively trying to live our lives as close to authentic as we can be without the weight of all the crap that we've been through. And I was just looking through my notes and stuff that I have for the podcast, and I have a lot of them. I have them in a lot of places. This podcast was almost like 10 years in the making for me, so I, I have a lot of notes that I go through. And um, this is, there's stuff I wrote out in July of this year of stuff that I wanted to talk about. And I think sometimes with me, in particular, I, I know with my process in particular, I tend to write things way in advance of where I am um, physically, like where I'm not like physically ready to do it yet, but it's kind of like um, my, my, my past self is planning for my future self to be able to use this stuff when it comes up. And a few months, a couple months ago, I actually wrote down some stuff on healing. Like I was ready to transition out of talking about the trauma because um, I have noticed that, uh, it, it, and I think maybe it's a, it's a bit about the algorithm. It's a bit with just, you notice things when you start talking about them or when you notice them in your own lives, they start to pop up in other places. You just start to notice them more in other places. And, but mostly I blame the algorithm because it listens and then it, starts feeding you shit, but, um, I was starting to see, I I started following some accounts. I started looking through more specifically narcissistic accounts, um, on Instagram, on TikTok, on podcasts. And, and what I'm realizing that it's, unless you specifically make an active effort to connect the trauma to your healing, everything kind of becomes very trauma porn. It's just staying in that space, staying in that feeling of disempowerment, of um, this shit happened to me. I don't feel like I don't want to deal with it. Um, or this shit happened to me and I'm going to act like an asshole because shit happened to me. And it's just got kind of like this negative feedback loop that kind of keeps going and going. And it's very dopamine driven. And I think, um, the neurodivergence portion of it kind of feeds into that too. But also sometimes you feel very self-righteous once you start to talk about your trauma, that having the ability to talk about it, I think can feel very self-righteous because um, it is, I mean, part of, I think a part of the reason why a lot of us do this work is to share the fact that, hey, we went through these horrible things. In case you went through it too, just know that, a, it is. It was a horrible thing, and B, you're not alone. But if you don't actively try to work toward making something out of it, it can be a vortex that kind of keeps you stuck and replaying all this stuff where you never actually move past it, even if 
your body is ready to move past it. Your mind may not be ready to let it go. And that kind of connects me back now to what I want to spend some time focusing on. I think I, at least from my point of view, I feel like I, I, I've d uh, dove into narcissistic abuse from a mother pretty well. And, and it will come up again because I think that the healing always connects back to understanding that your baseline experience is not what people would consider to be normal. Um, and especially when um, in, f in future episodes, I will be talking about how neurodivergence connects to healing and how CPTSD connects to healing and how both of those things or any combination thereof, even if it's just, you know, PTSD or complex PTSD or um, whether you're autistic or if you have ADHD, however you, wherever you fall on all those spectrums, how that's going to affect how, what your healing looks like in a, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, what, and also what your angle is going to look like. And so that you have a, a more accurate representation of what you're going toward, because just like in our, in our trauma, a lot of the trauma that gets talked about gets talked about in a neurotypical, typical, holistic point of view. I think neurodivergence, even though it's talked about it more widely is not correctly represented, especially online. Um, I think it's almost used like a, um, it's kind of like a hook. Like the people, a lot of people who throw around the word, uh, throw around neurodivergent terms in vocabulary as a hook to get people hooked in because everyone feels like, like I feel like neurodivergence is the new thing. It's the new thing to want to be because it explains so many things and in a way, it's kind of um, trauma bypassing. You almost use that as a way to not talk about the thing that actually happened to you. But if you're truly neurodivergent, I think we're, st we're still kind of not being represented properly online because it's getting co-opted by holistic or neurotypical people to make themselves feel better, which is a whole other can of worms. But what I'm trying... And what, I'm, what I am trying to do in my space is to connect the neurotypical stuff, the, the neuro, neurodivergent stuff with the, the, the complex PTSD stuff to what does healing look like on a day-to-day -day basis for someone like me, which is a neurodivergent eldest daughter of immigrant parents from a South Asian community. Like, when you go through all of those, if you check all of those boxes, and I know I am not the only one because I am friends with about 20 of y'all <laughs> in real life. So when you have all of those things that you check, how, what does, how do you navigate living in a world where everything that's normal is not normal for you? It's, it just never has been, it never will be. So how do you function? How do you come out of all the crap that you've been through to be who you're supposed to be and live the life in alignment with who that person, who you are versus who you've been. Because the whole point of the healing is to actually get rid of all the layers of trauma that's hiding 
the real authentic you, the real authentic you that wasn't given permission to express itself when you were younger, you are now in a space, and, and, ho and hopefully, if you're listening to this, have an ability to be able to do that for yourself, to create that safe space for you to authentically be yourself. So how do you get to that? How do you, how, how do you feel safe enough to let go of all the layers that protects that por portion of you and to let that part of you, the most authentic part of you, express itself and be safe while doing so? So that's kind of what healing is to me. Like, this is not about, oh, I'm going to be like this Zen-like person who never gets triggered. None of that, all that shit's bullshit. And that's not how life works. Um, the whole goal of all of this is to be able to express yourself as authentically as possible in as many areas of your life as you can at once, safely. And I'm gonna stress that a lot because safety is such a nuanced and personal ex like feeling. What feels safe to some people is not gonna be safety for other people. And when you add in the layers of not just your trauma, but your neurodivergence and your levels of CPTSD, and the layers of, again, this is always gonna come back to any of the layers of the biases that you carry as well from living in oppressive systems, like all of that kind of connects back to how can I make myself feel safe enough to be myself in as many areas of your life as you can. So that's just to give y'all an overview of what healing actually is, at least from my perspective, so that we're all, A, we're on the same page, and B, if that's not what you want, if that's not what healing means to you, then this isn't the space for you, and you can go find a space that, that caters to you, because I'm sure there is one. So that's just to make sure that we're all on the same page. Now, now that we have that out of the way, um, the... The healing portion of all this and is, is going to be really important to separate mind stuff from body stuff. And what I'm also seeing a lot, which is also really frustrating, and sometimes a break is good where I get to see some more of like what I, uh, like I get to see more of what's going on online. Like I actually get to spend time going down, you know, scrolling for a while cause I have the time, um, or I'm avoiding doing something else that probably is more, a little bit more important. But when I do have the time to actually just keep scrolling, you find, I, I, I tend to find like, I mean, the algorithm feeds you what it, what it, what it wants to feed you. But I start seeing certain things pop up. The neurodivergence thing is one of those one problematic areas that I'm seeing pop up where it's not true neurodivergence. It's just a lot of neurodivergent buzzwords being used in content by people who are not, um, who are not actually neurodivergent, I think, um, or they actually have PTSD, but they're tagging it as neurodivergence to bypass dealing with their trauma and instead making their their trauma responses, their personality, which is a, like, I mean, I've talked about that before, but that's a whole other, you know, problem. And I will get into that more as far as when we go further down the, um, what healing actually looks like when you're neurodivergent. 
But the other thing that keeps getting lost, and I think it's just because it doesn't make for quick, snippy, 10-second content, is the difference between your mind and your body. Even, this, even the accounts that claim to be very body-based, very somatic training, very, um, you know, get back, you know, get out of your head into your body kind of stuff. Again, a lot of these are buzzwords or buzz phrases that are being co-opted and uh, or in some cases, I think honestly, it's just a it's just a misunderstanding of what these practices are actually meant to do, and they're being used to then disseminate really problematic mindset based like mindset based beliefs around oh well if your body's feeling this and this is how this is actually what it means rather than just understanding that if your body is feeling this, there is no, I, like, this is what it means thing. It's just a feeling. The feeling does not always need to have a story attached to it, which is what your mind does. And so I'm going to go through a lot of this more in detail. This, I think this episode, I really just want to kind of give everyone a heads up of the shift because um, healing is uh, a little bit more complex than even talking about the trauma um, I think that's why a lot of talk therapy can feel indulgent because you kind of stay stuck in the same patterns and you're talking about the same stuff, but the actual healing work is less about the words. It's more about learning how to sit with an uncomfortable sensation in your chest that's coming from a violation when you were a child, but not attaching any words to it, not letting your brain come in and try to give you a story around it and just letting your body do the work. And then also knowing that when that sensation no longer exists, you can let it go. You don't need to provide, again, your brain doesn't need to do any work on this. It just let it be because we can, what I have noticed both in myself. And again, this, uh, anything I talk about always starts with me before it goes to any client practices I've had or anything like that. But what I've noticed in myself, particularly within this last year, is that my body no longer holds some of the trauma that I'm talking about. But because I'm talking about it and on, on like a public platform like this podcast is, um, my brain almost feels like I'm not qualified to talk about it because I'm not currently in it. And that also, for me, is a trauma response. Like, if I'm not actively going through it with you, it's, there's an enmeshment, codependency kind of dynamic there. Um, then somehow my ability to hold space doesn't count if I'm not actively suffering with you on whatever I'm talking about. And so that then creates, my, my, my brain finds this need to want to create a story around something minute happening in my life to give it this meaning where all of a sudden I am suffering again about, I'm, I'm actively suffering the suffering I'm talking about, but it's not real. Like I've already worked through mine. I no longer exist in mine, but my brain feels that I need to recreate it because otherwise me talking about it is not valid. Again, that's an example of, of healing, really, because I don't hold that trauma in my body anymore, but my mind feels a need to recreate it because it doesn't feel justified. 
Like that's, that's a mindset issue that can create a somatic problem. And, and again, this is something I'm gonna kind of dive deep into because then I know like that, the way that I just phrased it, it sounds very dismissive of a lot of things, but there is this, um, it, it is a trauma response to want to actively suffer with other people who are going through hard things, even though we may have already gone through that hard thing and it's okay to just hold space without um, re-traumatizing yourself in a way. And, <coughs> excuse me. So, all of that to say that what I will be talking about in the coming weeks is I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it with the caveat that I understand that not everybody's gonna have the ability to do everything that I'm talking about. Whether it's time, it's money, it's um, other kind of resources, it, it may not be available to everybody. Take what you need, leave what you can't, what you don't. Like, just, there, there's gonna be something in what I'm gonna talk about a little bit for everybody. You just have to have enough self-awareness to take what you need and leave everything else. And that's, that's usually like a, a good kind of guideline to have across the board when it comes to listening to other, you know, listening or watching other people's content. But especially when it comes to wanting to live an authentic, expressive life, you know, and having a life that, that you feel accurately re represents who you are. And so when, when in the process of doing that, you're gonna come across stuff that maybe 90% of what one person says is completely irrelevant to you, but there might be a 10% that is going to help you kind of put something in place and or put up, you know, click something in place for you that'll let you move on to the, to the next thing that, that will help you be more you in your life. So just learn that if there's something I'm saying that doesn't resonate, it doesn't resonate, let it go. It's not a big deal. Um, but if something resonates, let it resonate and let it do what it's supposed to do for you. And then also be willing to let it go when it no longer does, because this is not, you're not supposed to be stuck on the same thing forever. You're just not. So if you feel like you're running through the same, you're running into the same problems over and over again, um, or, or you're maybe you're recreating the same problems over and over again, because it's a problem you feel like you know how to solve because you solved it one way, one time, maybe this time around you don't need to solve it the same way. Maybe there's a different strategy you need to use. And that's also just figuring out how to live life. Um, though there's a few things I wanna mention about healing in general, just in case you're somebody who's going through this currently and you may, if you're experiencing the same feelings that I did this past year, where I feel like my talking about trauma is invalid because I'm not actively feeling traumatized. A few things that I want I'm going to say to you and it's me saying it to you as much as me saying it to myself. You don't need to have specific memories of trauma to be traumatized. So just because you can't remember what happened doesn't mean you didn't go through it. You also don't need to have, you don't need to, um, have trauma memories in order to be able to heal from it. You don't need to have memories in order to be traumatized and you also don't need to have memories in order to heal from it. 
This is a somatic process. It's all in your body. Once your body processes it, it lets it go. It do, you do not need to have an active memory of it. Your brain does not actually need to be involved in any of this. This is more of a peripheral nervous system thing, not a central nervous system thing. And they, while they're part of the same system, they are two very different things. And your brain has a very specific function. It is not always going to be ready or, or available to create or retrieve memories when it's going through, when it's being, when, when the body is being traumatized. And again, I, when I go in, in future episodes, I promise I will explain all of this in more medical science terms because that's my background and how I actually learned about all this was through was learning about the brain. So I kind of go through it in that respect, but you know, I, I do it from a, psycho a psychiatric lens. So there is a little bit of like actual medicine involved, at least from my end, from my perspective. Um, but just understand that just because you don't have memories doesn't mean that you can't be traumatized and doesn't mean that you can't heal from it. Um, narcissistic trauma in particular, and because that's, again, that's my lens that I'm going through as, but this applies to all trauma, but narcissistic trauma can cause us to separate our mind from our body. Now, childhood narcissistic trauma, your mind and your body have not quite connected yet. All right, our brains are not fully formed until we're 25. If you have childhood narcissistic trauma, that means how your brain was supposed to develop in absence of that trauma does not happen. It forms in response to the trauma it is experiencing. So an underdeveloped brain is then being hurt. So its natural development is, is, being, is, is being derailed somehow. So, and then you get to 25 and all of a sudden you have this brain that maybe wasn't supposed to be that way, or it's, it's a little bit more extreme than it would have been had a lot of that trauma not occurred. This is important to understand because you have to work with what you've got. You cannot lament what you should have had. And this can keep a lot of people stuck also. Work with the brain you have and understand what parts of it fall into the complex PTSD and what, what falls into neurodivergence because they're two different things, but they look very similar. And that's really important to understand. And that's also something I'm gonna be um, kind of expanding on going forward. And this next thing is, the, the next kind of tenet that I, I want to talk that I'm going to be talking about, I am guilty of actually being on the wrong side of this and early on in my career um, with coaching. But um, a lot of the self-help, self-care, and that's me, um, and the trauma healing that we see online. And again, I understand that a lot of the stuff online is supposed to be short-term snippets of what is to come. The whole thing is to get you to buy in and buy a course, buy a program, buy, buy something in order to access the tools that you need in order to heal. What it, what it fails to do, I think, because of that transactional aspect of he, if you pay me, I will give you the information you need to fix yourself. And that is kind of very 
very reductive of me to say it that way, but let's just go with that for now. It really is hard, even in that, in that kind of a context, to really help somebody learn how to be, create a safe space for themselves when they have never known what that's supposed to look, feel, and like smell like. Like If you don't know what that experience feels like, how are you supposed to create that for yourself? How are you supposed to create that for your body so that it can relax enough for you to let go? for you to be able to feel. How do you do that enough? How do you create that safety enough within yourself via somebody else in order to allow your mind not to come up with stories or um, and narratives around why you're feeling the way you're feeling? How can you create, how can you let your body just do what it needs to do without your mind interfering? Because like the thing in, with trauma and childhood trauma is that our minds are underdeveloped and, they, and their natural development is derailed. And then on top of that, it has this job where your body is being violated in some way. When you, are, when you have, go through childhood trauma, your body is somehow being violated. Your mind has to come in and protect it. It's not mature enough to be able to do that in a, in a rational, functional way. So it's going to do it in a dysfunctional, immature, underdeveloped way because that's what the brain was at the time. Now you're an adult, you have access to all this information and these tools and resources. How do you shift your mind out of the immature, underdeveloped, overprotective thing it had to become and let it grow up? How, how do we do that? How do we do that? A lot of this stuff isn't taught. It's not taught in this way. Um, it's part of the reason why I was always so frustrated when I was hiring coaches to try to help me because I, nobody had the, nobody made those connections for me in that way to be able to me to be able to click in different things that made sense, that I was able to heal myself in a way that made sense for me. Because at the end of the day, no one else is gonna do this for me. I have to do it myself, but the information wasn't presented to me. I wasn't given um, the, I don't even know, like I, I guess I wasn't given the support the way that I needed in order to let me do this the way that I need to. So what I'm trying to do is give to you all what I didn't have. And so part of that is understanding that where I have messed up in the past, because I didn't know what I didn't know, but at the same time, I was really, really sure about what I did know, and even turns out that wasn't, that wasn't true, so, you know, oh well. And then also just allowing my body to do its thing without my mind getting in the way. And you're going to see this. This is going to be a theme that's going to come up a lot, which is the mind and the body and how when they need to be kind of separated and when they need to work together and how that actually, what that actually looks like, how that actually looks like in a day-to-day -day practice. Um, nervous system regulation is something that is getting talked about a lot more, which is fantastic um, on some respects. And then again, um, in this 10 second real kind of world, I worry that this very complex process is getting whittled down to a few buzzwords 
that people are not fully understanding, they're not fully grasping. Um, and again, I'm gonna try my best on my end to not fall victim to it, but also understanding that I know why it exists in that way, why this whole like um, kind of snippet healing thing is so attractive to a lot of people. But also um, trying to make sure to add in as much nuance as I possibly can in a world that has the attention span of 15 seconds. Like, we're, it's, it's, we're all between a rock and a hard place on this one. One thing I want, I want you all to remember as I go forward is that healing is a body practice and your mind kind of follows. Your mind is a horrible leader. It actually does not know how to function independent on its own. And this is gonna piss a lot of people off because when I first realized this, it pissed me off. I think, I actually love my brain's ability to think and how it makes connections and the patterns that it picks up on and all of that stuff. I find it fascinating that that's how my brain works. But I also understand that that's what it does, but that doesn't mean that I need to follow everything that it picks up on because my brain did not develop the way it was supposed to develop and it also, um, it's also not meant to be in the forefront. Done right, your body, your, your, your mind will follow your body's lead but that's not how we're raised. And that's not what trauma, when childhood trauma doesn't allow us to do that. So your, your brain comes to the forefront to be a protector and it's really not designed to do that. It's designed to kind of like work in the background and come up with all these things and kind of give you inspiration and creativity and ideas and all this stuff, but you kind of, you're supposed to be able to pick and choose. You're supposed to be able to be like, eh, hey, yeah, that's kind of like useless information. That's why it's so important to understand what, what your baseline brain does and what happens to a traumatized brain where it does a lot of the protective stuff too much and the fun, inspirational stuff too little. When you're traumatized, you're, you don't have the safety to be able to be free and expressive and creative. You don't have that ability. Protection is the most important thing. So that's why it's always looking to protect you. But how do we shift it out of that? How, how do we know that it's safe enough to do that? And what, what can you do when you notice that your brain is doing the protective stuff too much? Okay, so what is it protecting me from? What am I actually going through? What do I actually have evidence of? Not stuff my brain is creating to, to manufacture evidence to make it feel like my feelings are correct. Is this an actual feeling or is the feeling coming from a narrative? This is all the stuff that I'm gonna be going through over the next few weeks. And I don't like, I, I really wanted this episode to be something more than just kind of like, hey, this is what's coming up. But like I did when I started this podcast almost a year ago, when I am presenting something different than what I've done before, I like to be as upfront and communicative as possible. And this is my attempt at doing that. Um, I want to shift out of like just kind of miring in the trauma. Like I think I've done that. And again, it's going to come up in different ways, but I want to be more proactive. I want us to all get to a place 
where we are living our lives as closely to our authentic selves as we possibly can. So that means that our work looks like something that we would do um, in a world that wasn't run by capitalism, that our relationships are fulfilling even if it's just one or two, um, that we have, um, that we're making time for the things that bring us joy even if they seem frivolous, um, that really that our life is an expression of us and not the other way around. I hope all of this makes sense. Um, I'm sorry if this episode was kind of a bummer because <laughs> it's really not. Um, yeah, it was, like I said, I was, I kind of went into, I kind of started recording with a different mindset and now I'm like, well, I really have been talking for a while and I do want to talk about all this stuff, but each one of the things that I want to go into is kind of its own entity. But I am shifting out of trauma information and more into healing practices because I am trying to lower the barrier for, for healing. Like, like, I understand the need to need, need to get paid for your work and all that jazz, I do. But I also think that a lot of people don't have access to the resources to be able to access a lot of us practitioners in our full expression, but we need to be able to make it, make our, our systems available as much as we can for free to as many people as we can so that they can use it to the best of their ability. Um, so this is my attempt. Again, this is just my attempt at doing that. I don't know how it's going to go. We'll see. Um, and then I always, you know, I always have the ability to change and pivot and adjust as needed. So if you listened all the way through, thank you very much. Um, like I said, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be diving into a lot of this stuff that I talked about on this podcast in the upcoming episodes. But I really hope that if you are going to stick around, that you understand where I'm coming from and that, um, we are, uh, that we have the same definition of what healing looks like. And I can't wait to get started. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.